Well, good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here today. Good morning. If you're watching online, so glad that you're tuned in with us. And, you know, um, by way of announcement, next week is Easter. And it's going to be a great Easter. Thank you, Chris. Um, and um, I, I want to I I ask some of you to consider something. Um, you know, we're still kind of, we don't have all of our chairs in this place, and we're spread out a little bit. And, and some of you, I would like you to consider coming to our 8 o'clock service on Easter on Sunday, because that would make room for some guests, and I think that'd be good uh, for us to, to do. So if, if, uh, if that works for your family, if you could work that out, that'd be, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to be having three services, one at 8 o'clock, one at 9.30, and one at 11. And so we're, we're just excited about Easter Sunday. I'm also excited about Friday night. Friday night, we've never done this before. It's the upper room experience, and it's going to be really great. Um, and, but, but our space is really limited, so you need to sign up for that. It's a Lord's Supper experience, and uh, we can't do Passion Week like we've historically done. But this is, I'm so amazed at Casey and Helen and, and uh, their creativity and vision for um, just an experience like this. So uh, make sure you sign up for that uh, because you don't want to miss it. You really don't. We're going to be on both campuses, and uh, it's going to be really great. Um, you know, all of us, if we, um, we, would, we would hate it if we put up on the screen maybe some, uh, like, one of our biggest failures. Have you ever made a failure that you just are ashamed of? And, and, and all of us have. We've all been, uh, made mistakes that, that, were shame, that, that caused us shame. And, um, you know, I have a picture that uh, Will's going to put up for us. Uh, uh, that's Emily, my oldest She's got married. I just walked her down the aisle. So that was a long time ago. Um, that was actually when she was in a she was a bridesmaid, but she was about that age. And uh, in our at our house growing up, uh, corporal punishment happened for the three D's in our family. Okay, that was our rule: the disrespect, uh, disobedience, or deception. So those were corporal punishment moments in our family. Okay, and um, so. Um, Emily was about that age. Look at those brown eyes. Oh, my goodness. Look at that little face. Oh, my goodness. I mean, she, uh, she had deceived us, so I thought. And uh, so I, I was talking to Emily, and I was like, Emily, okay, corporal punishment. And so I, was, I was, said, I'm going to need to spank you. And she looked at me going, Daddy, I, I didn't do it. And I said, honey, look, you did and, and so we went through the rules, and I, I spanked Emily, and she was like, I didn't do it. And about 30 minutes later, I found out that she really didn't. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It was awful. That was, I, I, that's what I saw as I walked into her bedroom, and I got on my knees, and I was like, Emily. Like, I was like this. I was like, I, I held her hand. I was crying. And I was like, Daddy was wrong, and I'm so very sorry. And, uh, and I, but I, you know, what's funny is she still remembers it. Um, and, uh, and I texted her yesterday, and I said, Emily, uh, do you remember that? She goes, oh, yeah, I remember. Uh, and, uh, and, and now, thankfully, my daughter forgave me, and we progressed through that five-year-old or six-year-old moment. And, uh, and it was a joy to walk her down the aisle to give her hand in marriage this, this year. And, and um, 
But, uh, but you know, I, even when I see that picture, it reminds me of that moment. And it's still kind of, it's, it's shameful for me. I felt really badly. You know, um, sometimes, in spite of the forgiveness, it's difficult for us to forgive ourselves when we make mistakes. And, and, and there are some mistakes. Now, Emily and I recovered, and it was, not, it was okay in the scheme of life and things. But, but you know, there are some times that shame and mistakes uh, drive us to such a progressive hole that it, it's hard to recover, or, or we just go the wrong direction. And shame sometimes does that. And Satan uses shame, and, and it's difficult for us sometimes to forgive ourselves for mistakes we make. Well, in Scripture today, we're in, in this, we're looking at one of these resurrection encounters where, where I, it really was a moment that Peter was experiencing incredible shame, I think. And, and the shame was driving Peter to the wrong path. And what you find in this passage, I think it's really interesting because Jesus intervenes and changes the course of Peter's life. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're in the last chapter of John, the Gospel of John. So I'd love for you to turn with me there. And, 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 and when, I, when we find Peter in John 21, I think he is in this state of guilt and doubt and shame and, and I think we find Peter saying, I'm just kind of giving up. I'm, I, this didn't work out, and, and I, I've, messed, I've messed up too much. And then that's a thought that sometimes we might have. And here's, I, w- I want you to know some good news. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, that in Christ we have forgiveness. In, in Christ we have restoration. In Christ we have um, a new path. Now, um, as we look at this passage today, I think we get a glimpse of a man who was struggling to forgive himself, even though God had forgiven him. So if you, let's stand together, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 together, but we're going to really kind of take a, a look at 1 through 19, but let's look at John chapter 21, and it's a practice if you're new today, we stand in honor of God's word. If you're at home, I'd love for you to stand with us, and let's read the text today. Verse 1, after Jesus, after this, excuse me, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and Two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no, we don't. And he said to them, cast your net on the right right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter, Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. 
The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated. Now, now I think it's noteworthy that John didn't really explain why Peter decided to go fishing. He didn't really explain that. And, 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 you know, there's some scholars on this passage that debate and say, you know, it's really no big deal that he went fishing. And, you know, uh, Peter liked to fish. There's a lot of people like to fish in our church. I mean, and, and I'm not really a fisherman. I've been fishing about like six times in my life. And, uh, um, and I, one time I realized I wasn't a fisherman when I came up on a school of fish at Lake Texoma and they were all jumping around me. And I didn't catch one of those things, man. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not very good at this. And um, so, but you know, Roy Hendricks is, I think he's in the room, he's over here. Uh, I talked to Roy today, and he, I said, he loves to fish, he's fishing all the time, and, and he went fishing yesterday, and he told me he didn't catch anything. I was like, Roy, you should have cast, cast it on the other side of the boat next time. <laughs> Roy, do that, it's perfect. It's the Bible. But, uh, but you know, I don't think John right here is describing a relaxing afternoon or evening of fishing. I think what John is describing, there's some debate on this, but I, I think it appears that Peter is starting to head back to his old career. That's what's going on here. I think Peter was so shamed. He was, um, he'd kind of forgotten, though, or he had maybe realized I'm disqualified because I've messed up. And think about the shame Peter had to have felt. Because here he was, uh, he had said to Jesus, look, I, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll give my life for you. Even in the moment that Jesus was arrested, what did Peter do? I like what Peter did. He grabbed his sword. And he's like, bring it on, boys. And he swings his sword at, the, at Malchus, cuts his ear off. I mean, he's ready, to, he's ready to get after it with those guards. But, but then, in the melee of the moment, Jesus heals Malchus's ear, and then Peter ran. They all ran, except John. And, and remember, just right as Jesus predicted, three times. They said, hey, are you or with him, right? No, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. The third time, a little girl. Oh, you, you're one of the disciples. You, you speak like a Galilean, kind of like a hick. I don't know him. The rooster crows three times. The Bible tells us that Peter went out and wept bitterly. The shame he had to have felt. And and then this is the third time Jesus shows up to them. So already Peter had to confront Jesus who he denied. And and we know that how that played out because Jesus said in that upper room experience when, when the disciples were behind that locked door, Jesus said, Peter, I... I love you. It's okay. He received him. He forgave him. But but I think we have Peter here struggling to forgive himself. And and, and it's interesting. They went fishing. These guys knew how to fish. They they knew what was going on. They knew how to handle those nets. They knew where the fish were. They knew what was going on. But yet, all night long, they didn't catch anything. I wonder if they remembered John 15, 5. Remember that verse, John 15, 5? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, 
He bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And and I wonder if this is a moment that Peter is like going out in his own power, and what do they catch? Nothing. Nothing. But yet, Jesus comes to the shore. There's a lot of lessons here, a lot of things to observe here. Here's Peter. I think he's on the wrong path. And you know what's sad about this? What does he do as he goes on this wrong path? He takes the disciples with him. Several of these guys he takes with him. And you know what I think God's doing? He, uh, he's, he, he's, he's helping Peter understand, hey, buddy, you're on the wrong spot. You're on the wrong path. And, and, you know, this would have had incredible ramifications for the future, for Peter, for us. Peter had a job to do. And I think he was missing it. And I think the, one of the reasons that he was missing it, I think he felt shameful. I think he felt ashamed. And do you realize that shame, point number one, if you're following along, do you realize that shame can keep you from your fisher man calling? You know, know, what are we called to do? As as believers, as followers of Christ, what was Peter called to do? He was called to be a fisher of men. I mean, I look around this room, and oh my goodness, we've got incredible gifts and abilities in this room. All of us have uh, different different gifts, and we can go into, um, uh, among engineers and among, we have great teachers here. We have mechanics in this room. We have designers in this room. We have teachers in this room. We have um, financial business leaders in this room. We have a lot of different gifts. And we've got to understand the calling that all of us have as the church. That you realize that, that the calling to ministry is not just my calling. I'm called to pastor. I'm called to shepherd the church. What does that mean? I'm, I'm an under-shepherd of the church to equip the church for the work of ministry. Right? You have a fisherman calling. I have a fisherman calling. Peter had a fisherman calling, but he would, he forgot some things. The first thing I think he forgot is that the cross provided forgiveness. That's something I think Peter forgot, and and we must not forget that the cross provides forgiveness for us in spite of our mistakes, in, in spite of the things that make us feel shamed. Maybe so much so that we think, I, I can't really serve the Lord. No, we're all called to that. The cross has provided forgiveness for us, which is, is amazing and a blessing. And, 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 and here's what I want you to see is we can actually live like we have been forgiven of our sins. Why? Because we have. 1 John 1, 9, the, the things that you're ashamed of, 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from what? All unrighteousness. See, Peter missed that, I think. I think he forgot that. You know what else is cool as you see this? Because Jesus said to the disciples, hey, I want you to go to the Sea of Tiberias. I'm going to be there. I want you to go to the the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to be there. I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come see you. And and Peter discovered that that, that Christ pursues the broken. And I'm grateful for that. Aren't you grateful that, that Christ is in pursuit of us? And the, the more I've walked with the Lord, the more I, I've come to understand the Lord, the more I've sought the Lord. You know, none of us have come today to seek the Lord, to seek his word for our lives today, to, to, to listen to his voice today, whether we're online or here. Um, 
you know, the more I discover when I seek the Lord that it's God that's been seeking me the whole time. It's actually God seeking me. It's actually God putting that in my heart. It's actually God drawing me in, and, and he was there the whole time. And this is what Peter discovers. God, God's been working in our lives before it's even a thought in our brains. That's amazing to me. And, and it's almost like Peter in this moment had forgotten his Matthew 4.19 calling. We have a Matthew 4.19 calling. You know, that verse is etched in my heart, Matthew 4, 19. Matthew 4, 17 through 19 describes this. That was Peter's first moment with Jesus. And in, in Matthew 4, 18, it says that he and Andrew were, were, were fishing. And Jesus shows up and he says in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Now, when I was growing up, my, my church growing up, South Lindsay Baptist Church in South Oklahoma City, I mean, we were, we were on the south side. It was a rough part of town. It's in the middle of a neighborhood by Capitol Hill High School and gang-infested area. I, I literally went to church in the hood, legit, legit hood, but right outside of our church. The big sign that I helped pay for as a kid was a huge fish hook reminding us to be fishers of men. Because Matthew 4.19 says, Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And you know what Matthew 4.20 says? Immediately Peter and Andrew left their nets and they followed Jesus. But here in John 21, Peter had forgotten that or he had overlooked that or he had neglected that. You know, when I think about this, we, we've got to embrace the conviction of our calling. And, and for all of us, we are called to be fishers of men. And, and though Peter was a, a gifted fisherman, that what, what he was learning is, is, Peter, let me use you. And, and you know what I don't want us to miss? Is this calling from God to follow him. And my prayer is that we hold our lives and our gifts and our abilities and everything we have like this. Not like this. You know, if you, like I look at our teenagers here, if you as a young person can learn to say, Lord, I give you every gift I have. No matter what age you are, if you say, Lord, I'll give you every gift I have, I mean, you'll experience a life of being a fisher of men. Oh my goodness, what a, what a life that would be. See, Peter... Um, it's interesting. You, you, you understand this, that, that, that Christ invites us to this genuine gospel adventure, all of us. This is our calling. This is our invitation that's in front of us. And, and, and what's interesting with the disciples is you pay attention to the, the, the dynamic of the moment. It seems like the sky is falling, right? Because, yeah, Jesus had conquered the grave, but they didn't really understand all that was going to happen. And then these things were, were beginning to come into view. But at this point, the disciples were like, okay, he's risen from the dead, but I, Peter's feeling guilty. I'm going to go back to fishing. Okay, I, the disciples are following him. John is following him. The sons of thunder are following him. Thomas, the that the twins follow him. And, and it's like, oh my goodness, Peter's on the wrong track because the world's falling apart. Isn't it easy for us to look at our world and go, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. See, in the life of the disciples, the world wasn't falling apart. What God was doing was bringing everything together. 
You know, when I look at our world, it seems as if the world's falling apart. I mean, we have moral issues that are, that are in front of us, that we're living out the Romans 1 um, um, reality that we're calling um, evil good and calling good evil right in front of our eyes. I mean, right now, you look at what happened this week with ORU. I'm, I know Keith Davis is glad, you're glad Arkansas won. That's okay. We, we you know, ORU lost last night, last second. But you think at the, the debate with ORU of, hey, they should be kicked out of the NCAA tournament because they're a Christian university that, that holds to Christian values. Doesn't it seem that, that the world is falling apart? But here's the reality. What if, what if it's not falling apart? What if God's bringing it back together? What if God is, is bringing things together? Because here's what we know about sin. Here's what we know about disobedience. Here's what we know about rebellion against God. It just doesn't work. It falls apart. And here's what we see over and over again right in front of our eyes if we'll pay attention to it, that, that life without God is impossible that we are in desperate need of Christ. And this is evident. Just think about what happened in Texas over the last few weeks, you know, with the ice storm, remember? Here we are in this society that thinks we are so advanced. We, we, can, we can handle things ourselves. We, we've got technology. But look how quickly the world fell apart when just a little electrical problem happened. And within hours, people are going, oh my goodness, we're in trouble. Look how quickly we need the Lord. You see, when we think the world's falling apart, maybe the Lord is really setting things up to bring things together. See, Peter was struggling with this adventure that was in front of him. And he was in the wrong spot. You know what I've prayed about today? I wonder if somebody's listening today or walked in the room today, and if you're just really honest, you're in the wrong spot. And God, by his mercy and in pursuit of you, is saying, hey, follow me. Look, life is with me, not with where you're making plans. Follow him. You know what I love about what Peter does? Look at verse 7. I love this. Verse 7 says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, even though they're 100 yards offshore, it's the Lord. I love John. John's always the one recognizing the Lord. You know, it's interesting as you pay attention to the, the, the resurrected Christ, there were times that they didn't really recognize him right away. Uh, maybe it's because we don't want to recognize him. Maybe it's because uh, it, it's just so obvious that we just missed it. I don't know. But John looked 100 yards away. That's the Lord. What does Peter do? Look at it. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, threw himself into the sea. I love Peter. I love that. He's 100 yards away. He's like, I'm swimming. He swims as fast as he can. The other disciples, verse 8, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. And so Peter jumps in the water, and he's just like, swimming to Jesus. Look what Jesus said next. When they got out of the land, got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in, in, in place 
with fish laid out on it and bread. See, Roy, you ought to pray more when you fish because Jesus caught fish, no problem. He had fish waiting for him. The disciples couldn't catch any. Jesus already had them. Now, he did say, hey, bring some of your fish. Let's, let's add some more. But I love that. He was preparing breakfast for them. Verse 10. And Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. I think this is fun. 153 of them. There's a lot of, a lot of dialogue about what 153 means. And we're not going to go into that right now. But I think, it's, I think it shows that they counted. There's 153 fish in there. Roy, I would call that a good day of fishing, I guess. I've only been fishing twice or five times, and I've never caught that many. I would think that's a good day. Um, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. I'm not a fisherman. I guess that's a big deal. So verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, it's interesting. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him who you are. Still, some were struggling to go, is, is this really him? Maybe it's because they just couldn't, wow, it, this is really happening right in front of us. But look, it says, verse 12, the end of verse 12, they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. So, and so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he had been raised from the dead. Now, it's interesting as, as, as Peter is in this moment, the disciples are in this moment, this is another one of those moments that they experience grace. Isn't that a great word, grace? Grace is that gift that we've been given that we don't deserve. This is another moment that the disciples and Peter experienced the mercy of God. Mercy, isn't that a beautiful word? Mercy is not giving us what we do deserve. Don't we all deserve the, to live in our shame and to live in our mistakes? But, but Jesus forgave us. Man. And I think it's interesting as you see this moment in Peter's life. Peter had publicly denied the Lord. And, and I think God is being so gracious and merciful to Peter here because um, you know, Warren Wiersbe says this. I like what he said when I read a, his commentary. He says, private sins should be confessed in private. Public sins should be confessed in public. And, and Peter had already confessed those private sins. But, but you know what? Peter's public failure now was being restored by Christ's public restoration. It's a beautiful picture. Now, a lot of people go into this next part of the passage, and, and, and they break down the, the, the interesting Greek um, wording that John uses, because in this passage, he uses two different words for love, agape love and phileo love. And, and I've read lots of interesting ideas about those two different words and the way that they were used. But, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to go into those trees right now. What I want to do is notice the forest. Sometimes we get into the Greek and the, and the dissecting of the language and, and we miss the, the forest, the beauty of the forest. Because really I think the issue for Peter is his love for the Lord. Because Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks. And, and you know the truth is, the key issue for every believer is our love for Christ. 
Let me ask you, do you love him? That's where Peter was. It says in verse verse 15, when, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, what, what I don't know is if Jesus is saying, hey, do, Peter, do you love me more than your nets and your boat? Do you love me more than your own ability to provide for yourself? Do you, or, or is he looking at, is he, is he confronting Peter about his, his um, misunderstanding of his calling? Is he, is he saying, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Because Peter would brag, and he was always one that would say, look, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to lo- love you more. Peter was prideful, and is, is Jesus breaking his pride? Uh, I don't know that we know, but he, but he says, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. He said, feed my lambs. You know, he's pointing to his calling. Matthew 16 when Jesus was with his disciples and they went to the gates of hell in Caesarea Philippi, the, the one place on, on planet earth that was known that this is the gates of hell. And as he's there, as he's at Caesarea Philippi, he says to Peter, he says, Peter, uh, I'm going to start my church. And upon this rock, I think Jesus points to himself and says, upon this rock, I'll build my church in the gates of hell. This gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter was going to go back to his old life, but he said, no, Peter, you, you've got a, you got a job to do. The church is going to start. You've got to feed my sheep. And, and this is why what we're doing is so important here. This is why you, you can't just look at me and go, oh, Chris, you're in ministry. No, we are the body of Christ. We are to serve the Lord in this place, and we're to go from here to serve the Lord in every, and, and infiltrate every part of this community in this city. You know, yesterday, I, I, I preached a funeral, uh, and, and I was in a group that, that I felt like, I, I don't really fit here, because these were a group of guys that were, they would look at me and go, yeah, I'm not like you, preacher. I'm not like you. But you know what's cool? Is one of our church members was there, and they were like, yeah, we... We'll tolerate you, preacher. But man, Josh, he's one of us. And God's using Josh in a supernatural way. And it's, see, it's, it's what, what, what am I, what's my calling in your life? It's to equip the church for the work of ministry. And to feed my lambs, Peter had a calling to do that. And, and, and you know, when you look at the forest here, Let's look at the forest. What, what do we see here? Paul, P, P, Jesus is, is moving Peter to love the Lord sacrificially. You know what I've prayed today? Lord, may we love you sacrificially. May, may we be, he says to him, verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. Peter, you got work to do. It's my prayer that we love the Lord sacrificially, that, that we are willing to say, Lord, we will trust you. We will walk with you. We, we will not, we, we will we'll serve you. Love the Lord sacrificially. Love the Lord responsibly. 
I want you to see, I want us to see that, that we have a responsibility in our time, this place, and, and over and over again, as I look at our, the world we are in, the times we are living, I cannot get away from the reality that God has entrusted us to this moment in history, to this place where we live, and we are called to work and to serve the Lord. We've got to love the Lord responsibly. We've got a responsibility to serve Christ. And you know what? Some of you have walked in this room today, and you've got your eye on this world. You've got your eye on the wrong thing. And it's my prayer that the Lord, has, as he comes to us, he lovingly says, hey, wait a minute. No, wait. i got a job for you to do. Serve me. That we go to work tomorrow recognizing that we're firemen or businessmen or teachers or bankers or engineers, business owners, for him. And, and see, we've got a responsibility. But not only do we love the Lord sacrificially, not only do we love the Lord responsibly, but we love the Lord courageously. Look, it's time to take courage here. Folks, look, the world is, is against us. I mean, but look, what if God is not? What if he's not abandoned us? What if he's still on the throne? That's not a question. That's a reality. As we sit and think, oh, the world's falling apart, what if God is aligning things to his will, to his plan? And I'll tell you, I want you to see that we're called to courageousness. Look what he says in verse 18. Truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, whenever Jesus repeats something, truly, truly, you've got to pay attention to that. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, then he said to this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Now, now notice that. Now, now Jesus is helping Peter understand, hey, Peter, you got a tough road to, to walk. And there's going to be a death that you will face that will glorify God. I don't know about you, but, but for, 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 for me, I want to walk through that door called death in a way that glorifies God. And if I'm going to do my job as a pastor of this church, then, then we will all be walking through that door, crossing that river in a way that glorifies God. Let's be in the middle of God's will. Let's not miss the adventure that is right before us. Let's not, let's not forget the calling that we have to serve the Lord like this. Lord, we will serve you. We will honor you. We will give you all we have. Look, after he said, after saying this, 
he said to Peter, follow me. And you know what I want us to see today? That you and I are invited to follow him, to follow Jesus. That's my prayer today. Some of us have walked in the room and we're distracted. Our focus is not right. And God in his grace and his mercy with his incredible forgiveness is saying to you and I, follow me. You know what, as I read through the Bible, I'm I'm continued to to notice, it just caught my eye this year, how often people in Scripture turn to Jesus. And can I challenge us today? Let's turn to Jesus continuously. Let's be a people that say, Lord, we will always turn to you. Like we just sang, I will sing to you in the midst of the storm. Louder and louder, let me, my praises will roar in the midst of the battle. You know, let's turn to Jesus. Let's turn to him consistently, continuously. Let's, let's seek Christ constantly. And my prayer for us is that no matter what happens in our world, no matter the the challenges we face, no matter the mistakes we make, Lord, we will seek you continuously. Because here's what you'll find. When you seek the Lord, you'll find that God is the one seeking you. You know what I love about the Lord? As we've come today to seek the Lord. Lord, we turn our face to you, we look to you. And what we find is a creator It's already been waiting for us, drawing us, moving us. And and this is why I'm compelled to obey Christ completely. Are you obeying Christ? Is the the mark of your life right now by, Lord, I'm going to obey you in my mind, in my heart, in my life? Folks, I love what Paul wrote to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And he says at the end of his race, Paul says, the time of my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. Can I ask you a question? Do you love the Lord? Do you love him today? I mean, don't you know who he is? Don't you know who we serve? Don't you know who is inviting us to follow him? It's the one that Job 38 says, he, he put the stars in place and he calls them all by name. That's who's inviting you to follow him. It's the same God that in Psalm 139 says, he knows you so well that he carefully knit you together in your mother's womb. That's who is inviting us to follow him. It's the, the same God who says in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God. It's the same one that said, I'm going to demonstrate my love for you. That even though you were a sinner, I died for you. That's who we serve. And let me tell you, life's too short. And these days are too critical for us not to embrace this invitation to follow him. Do you love him? Let's love him. 
Let's walk with him. From this moment forward, let's follow him. And even if you've walked in the door and you would say, Chris, I feel ashamed. I feel shame. And look, the blood of Christ is greater than your sin. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are. Don't miss that. Lord Jesus, Lord, we come to you. And Father, I pray for those listening in this room, on this webcast. Father, it's you that are working. It's you that are drawing. It's you that are speaking. You're, you're the one speaking. It's my prayer, Lord, that we would not leave this place without following you. Lord, would you move us? Father, we, we recognize this is not my invitation as a preacher. This is your invitation as the king of all kings. And so, Lord, we just allow you to reign in this moment. We allow you to lead in this moment. We just ask that your Holy Spirit speak in this moment. Lord, lead us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand where you are? Our altars are open.